0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You can find me over on Twitter at Joe ORICO99 and also at Ethos Fantasy BB. Specifically check out Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where all of our new writers will be posting out their content this offseason and heading into next year as well. Very excited on that front. So please make sure you're a following over there at Ethos Fantasy BB. Now, I am in Arizona currently. I flew out here last night. I mean, Jesus, it feels like I flew out this morning with the amount of delays that there were, but I got in very late uh, into the Phoenix area. Going to be golfing later today, going to be taking in some baseball, chatting, shooting the shit with some people in the industry. It should be a lot of fun. We're still doing the podcast, of course. We don't miss a day here. Uh, I maybe should have pre recorded, but I wanted to bring down the podcasting equipment, you know, see if there's an impromptu opportunity to record a show. And to do my own shows here as well. So we're going to still go today. It won't be the longest show, but we're going to go over the next group of outfielders. Yesterday we touched on the first, I believe, six guys in the elite, elite tier <clears throat> for 2022 anyway. Not that they're the elite tier going forward, but we are looking back. This is, these are review shows. And the elite tier, the first six guys were Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, Jordan Alvarez, Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Tucker, and then Adeliz Garcia. That, I mean, you could put a couple other guys in there, but those are the guys who finished within the top 25 over on Yahoo, so that's what we stuck with yesterday. We're going to go over the next few names today, and we're going to you know, just kick it off right here. Kyle Schwarber, he's the next guy, and I think it's <clears throat> kind of funny that he's the next guy here uh, that we're going to talk about because last night it was kind of funny. I mean, the Phillies, are probably not too funny if you're a Phillies fan. They got no hit, uh, combined no hitter in the World Series, which is the first time it had happened since Don Larson in the World Series back in the 65. I want to say somewhere in that I think of 1965 Uh, so kind of kind of elite company there Christian Javier went the bulk of the way and then a couple relievers each went an an inning I believe I didn't really watch much of this game I saw a little bit here and there on my phone from the plane uh, but I wasn't able to see too much of it but the the post-game press conference they asked Kyle Schwarber how do you feel about being on this side of history blah 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 is it something that matters to you guys and he just said nonchalantly I don't give a shit we don't give a shit kind of cool, we're in the history books, whatever, great attitude to have for Kyle Schwarber, I really like the guy, and I liked him a lot for fantasy this year, despite the fact that his batting average kind of sucked, he gave you 100 runs, 46 homers, 94 ribbies, 10 steals, and a 218 batting average, finishes the 35th overall ranked player this season, which you got to be very happy with, uh, if you drafted him, he was going post pick 100, average pick was, or ADP was 105 over on Yahoo. Now, I think that there's no reason really to go and fade Kyle Schwarber ahead of next season. I don't think I would take him to the the same heights where he was finishing this year. Uh, Poorly phrased, but you guys know what I mean. I wouldn't take him as a 35th pick next season. I think he's somebody who's probably going to fit into more of like the 50 to 70 kind of range. That probably makes a lot more sense. I mean, the power is totally legit, but that batting average is, is a real killer. This season specifically, he struck out 200 times. I mean, it's not always going to be that bad, I don't think. His previous high in the season was 156. So it was kind of startling to see him strike out that much. He was still getting on base. He had a 323 on base percentage despite the 218 batting average, uh, the 46 homers, like we said. And he stole 10 bases, which was a huge thing for his value. Now, he only had four steals. That was his his previous career high was four steals, and that was 2018. Last year, uh, it was one steal, 2020 one steal, two steals in uh, 19. It was just He's not, never been a guy you can rely on for steals, so I'm not sure we're going to draft Kyle Schorber and say, yeah, I'm going to bank on these 10 steals again. I don't think we can really be doing that. I think that you can maybe say he's going to give you optimistically say five, maybe. I wouldn't even really bank on that, though. It's just such an unpredictable stat for someone, especially like Schwarber, a big guy we've never seen run before. That's the first part of my concern. Now, the 46 homers, he can totally do that again, but... He hadn't done more, he hadn't hit more than 38 homers in the season before this, and that was a few years back in 2019. And 2019 was the juiced season, so we kind of threw away everything from 2019. This was a great year from Schwarber, but I don't think we can expect 45, 50 home runs again. He's totally capable of it, but to go into the next season expecting it with someone who strikes out that much, I think we're probably playing with fire a little bit. I still really like him. He can be a great power asset, give you good runs and RBIs, You know, 100 runs, 94 RBIs, that's great. Um, but I don't think we can project him to finish exactly quite as high as he did this last season. So I like him. I'm not going to be reaching too much up the board for him, but I think if he's sitting there around your probably 60, 70 ranges where I'd feel really comfortable with Kyle Schwarber, that's where I would probably start to take him here. Now, Randy Rosarena, he is the next guy on this list. 72 runs, 20 homers, 89 ribbies, 32 steals, and a two sixty-three batting average. Now, we talked about him. Not that long ago when we did our uh, ranking shows, we're not going to spend too much time on Randy, but he was as the, uh, going as the 53rd pick on Yahoo this season, finishing 42nd. That's totally, totally good for you there. Now, the steals, are we going to still see the steals jump up more? Is he going to plateau around 30? Steals are kind of a tricky subject right now. <clears throat> Some people are projecting that we're going to see a lot more of them next season because of the bigger bags, because of the different rules that will be around uh, how many times pitchers can throw over. There might be some changes. I don't think it's going to be as drastic as some might project. Maybe he gets one or two more, but I think 32 is probably about as much as you can hope for with Randy Rosarena. He went on a crazy hot stretch there in the second half of the season where it seemed like every night he was stealing a base. Can he do that again? Sure. Now he does get caught quite a bit. Uh, He's led the league. He's led the American league in caught stealing the last two years. So maybe he's a little reckless when he picks his spots, but overall he still generally is stealing those bases for you in his career. He's stolen 58 bases, been caught 23 times. You'd probably like the percentage to be a little bit higher there, but it's a small gripe, all things considered. He's given you just about five category production, 20 homers, 20-plus uh, steals, I think, is in the bag again. And then the counting stats should be somewhere in like the 170 kind of neighborhood if you're combining runs and RBIs. Uh, this year was 160, yeah, about 161. Uh, when you compare the, when you combine the 89 RBIs and 72 runs, that's that's really good. Uh, I think that he can maybe score a few more runs, and those RBIs probably will generally be in that 80 kind of range. Uh, he was somebody that I put in my top 50. He was at the back end here, and I, I need to pull these back up again because I haven't looked at them uh, in, in that much depth in the last few days. But he was somewhere in the late 40s where I had Randy Rosarena, and, and that feels pretty correct. I think that he may move up a touch uh, just because steals. I mean, pe- people might want to just really secure steals. I had him at 42. I think that that's probably about where he's going to stay. Maybe he maybe goes up into the late 30s, but I think this is generally where we're going to see Randy Aroz- Reyna get drafted, and I'm going to be pretty cool with it there somewhere in the 40s. He was one of the better outfielders in baseball this season, even though Tampa Bay doesn't really have much name brand value around there to help him. Uh, it's, it's pretty great what he's able to do. It kind of reminds me to a much lesser extent of what we see Jose Ramirez do Uh, in Cleveland. Without much help, still putting up elite numbers and still having a good team, despite the fact that there's low payrolls and they probably shouldn't have a good team. I don't know. Just popped into my head there. Obviously, very different players, but in terms of their situation, it's not that different. Let's keep it going with Michael Trout. God, he is the hardest guy to try and figure out. He had, so in 438 at-bats, he had 40 home runs. We've mentioned this on the show before. It was the highest home run pace of his career. 85 runs, 80 RBIs, one stolen base, and a 283 batting average. I think, personally, it's not a crazy idea to think that Trout will get traded this offseason. Uh, we, we've mentioned this once or twice with him and Otani, that maybe the Angels just start over. Maybe the Angels, they realize that this is just bullshit, what's going on every single year. I mean, it seemed like it wasn't at the beginning of this season. It looked like, hell, the Angels might actually make a go of it. Uh, they started off, I forget what their record would have been, but like the first month and a half of the season, we were thinking like, holy shit, this team, I, they, they can make some noise. And then it very quickly went to shit. And I think that that's kind of just the general feeling around the organization, that it just always goes to shit, even with these talented players. They bring in reinforcements over the years, you know, Josh Hamilton, Pujols, Rendon, and nothing ever seems to work. So I don't know if they're going to keep trying at this. If they sh- I mean, they probably should trade Trout and Otani like today. Uh, get the maximum value you can on Trout before there's really too much concern with his back. And Otani, I think he just re-upped for one more year, uh, avoiding arbitration, and then he'll be he'll be free to go as well. And I can't imagine he'd gonna, he's going to come back to the Angels. So I'd probably, if I were them, you couldn't package them up in a trade, I don't think, because a team would have to literally give away their stadium if you're trying to get both those guys. But I think if you send them off in two separate deals, the Angels could get, like, you know – I don't even, I'm not great with a prospect game, but they could definitely get like seven or eight top, top prospects. You see what went over for Soto? We had Hassel and Wood and Gore and Abrams, all top kind of prospects. You know, you could put two players who are both, I mean, you want to say Trout versus Soto. I guess that's a matter of opinion. But I mean, they're in the same kind of grouping. You should be able to get a similar kind of haul for for Trout and Otani, if not even a little bit more, specifically Otani being a two way player, obviously. That's a commodity that you can't just go and find. So they can pretty much write their own price, write their own ticket for that one if they want to trade him. And that would make us reevaluate this whole whole Mike Trout situation. Right now, I'm pretty confident, but I'm also a little bit nervous uh, going into next season about the back. I don't think that it's going to be a huge deal, but they did say that this is going to be something that affects him his entire career. I have him at 31 in my rankings. I want to pull up where he's going in these NFBC drafts because – it really varies right now and I'm going to be doing one of these drafts on Saturday so I need to start paying a little bit more attention to where guys are generally going here I mean we've been doing it every day on the show but I think I need to really start uh, paying attention here in terms of these ADPs before I start to draft so let's see where is Mike Trout going 26 is his ADP right now I don't No, I don't know at that number if I really want to be invested in him. You know, if it's a 12-team league and you get him in the third round, yeah, all right, Uh, I'm I'm all right with that. If it's a 15-team league and it's in the second round, then I'm a little more nervous. Like, he could go out and have a crazy year next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 50 home runs. Like, it's not probably likely, but, hell, he was on pace to do it this season. Uh, The batting average has kind of come down a little bit over the last couple of seasons specifically, or not really – in 2021, but he didn't really play in 2021 very much. But 283 this year. I uh, was 281 in the shortened season. 291. I mean, it's it's hard to really complain about that. When, I mean, hell, you have to try and find something to complain about with Mike Trout, I guess. Uh, if you if you're like me and you try and find things to complain about, he's batted over 300 many times in his career. 320s many times. Uh, 315. 312. 306. He's a career 303 hitter. So for most people batting 283, you you'd say that's amazing. For Mike Trout, it's like, mm, what's going on here? On-base percentage was the lowest of his career, 369. Slugging was still great, 630. His OPS was still, I mean, it was one point shy of 1,000, which is incredible still. But I think we might have to be a little bit cautious about taking him in the second round. I think if he's going there routinely, that's when I'm going to probably start to have to fade him. And now Let's take a look at the old... minimum and maximum pick. And I think there's going to be something we have to mention here with this. Yeah. So the minimum pick was 15. That was the earliest he was going in any draft was pick 15. The latest he has fallen in any draft was 74. And I think that would have been the early draft and hold that Rob DiPietro put together in July no, August. I think that was in August. And I think that Mike Trout fell really far down that board because they weren't working off of a site. I think they were just writing stuff down They were just kind of going by player stats, and in that kind of situation, it's very easy for a guy to fall. So Mike Trout, he's not going to be going at 74 very regularly. He's probably going to be going more in the late 20s, early 30 range, and as of right now, I think I'm okay with it. I wouldn't want him as my second-round pick, though. Uh, That's uh, Maybe I'm crazy, but as of right now, I think that that would be probably a little bit too risky, especially if you take a pitcher in the first round and you have Trout as your first batter. I... Probably wouldn't really want to be doing that. If it happens, it happens. And maybe there's just, you get to the point where, hell, there's not really anybody else that you really like in that neighborhood in the late 20s. I mean, there are still a lot of guys to like in that neighborhood. But let's say, for argument's sake, that there's nobody really catching your eye it's not, a, it's not a bad pick. It's Mike frickin' Trout. I mean, it's not like you're, you're going to get killed by him unless he gets injured. If he's healthy, he could be the number one player still. Like, he could do that. And we saw it this season with Judge. The home runs, if you have that many home runs, you can really do a lot for your fantasy value. Uh, even without, I mean, Judge did a lot of everything. But I think the home runs were the main factor for him being the number one player. Trout hits 55 home runs next season, 50 home runs. Steals even a couple of bases. Maybe number one is a little bit optimistic, but top five, it's totally possible. He's a really, really hard guy to rank. He'll definitely move around a little bit here uh, as we go through this offseason. Probably a lot, honestly, depending on what happens. If he gets traded, I don't even know what I'm going to do with the rankings. It, it's, it's a long offseason. It's a long offseason for a reason. Let's go to the next player here, Cedric Mullins. Now, Cedric Mullins was kind of a disappointment, I guess. Some people thought he was fairly disappointing. I mean, you go from 291 to 258. You go from 30 homers down to 16, I suppose I could see why that would be disappointing. Uh, he was being drafted pretty high up, too, over on Yahoo as the 42nd pick. He finished his number 52 on Yahoo as well, so, I mean, not much of a big deal there, really. He gave you 34 steals, which was a huge piece of his value, 64 RBIs, 89 runs. Now, he's another guy we talked about not too long ago on the ranking show, so I don't want to get you know too deep into the, into the weeds here with him. But he's definitely somebody that I will be interested in drafting. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to be reaching a hell of a lot up the board for him, but I, I have him at 44, and I think somewhere in the middle, around four, kind of late round four. And I'm generally talking 12 teamers here, late round four of a 12 teamer, and maybe early round four, late round three of a 15 teamer. That's where I would generally feel pretty comfortable. Maybe even in the late third year you're pushing it a little bit, but I think that he can generally have that kind of value. And I think that the Orioles are just going to keep getting better and better in that division. And something that we haven't really talked about so much, but I believe this is hundred percent confirmed that, that the scheduling for next year, you're not going to play teams in your own division as much as you have in the previous season. So, It'll be difficult competition still, like standings-wise, but they won't have to face you know Blue Jays pitching. I mean Blue Jays pitching. Who knows what that's even going to look like? Yankees pitching. Uh, I'm assuming these guys are going to spend more money on their rotations, seeing how their seasons went. Specifically, Toronto. I would expect Toronto to buy another starter, but it won't affect players playing in the divisions as much. And this affects every every team in baseball. You know, if you're a team like Baltimore, I mean, they're probably one of the teams that would be affected the best by it because they're not playing the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays as much as they normally would be, not facing those top-tier guys as much. Your McClanahan's, your Glasnow's, your Gosman's, your Cole's, your Manoa's, they're not going to be facing them quite as much. So that's something that we'll generally have to factor in here a little bit as we go through this offseason. But Cedric Mullins, I think he'll be benefited, benefited by that lineup just getting better and better. Rutchman will get a little bit better, you have to assume. Uh, Gunnar Henderson will get a little bit better – and maybe they bring in a piece or two. I don't think they're going to go crazy, but I think that they may bring in, you know, one or two decent bats, maybe one really strong bat. I think they need to bring in a pitcher. The rotation was pretty good for them this year, but there's just, you, you need a top end starter if you want to compete in baseball. And Baltimore does not have a top end starter. I mean, John Means, I'm not sure when exactly he'll be back, but no disrespect, he's not an ace. He's not a top flight starter. They need to bring in somebody else. I think that that team will just keep getting better and better and that should trickle down to Cedric Mullins over the counting stats because 64 RBIs, it's not bad. I mean, for a leadoff hitter, it's fine. You Maybe want to see that push up into the 70s, and I think that that's totally possible given the direction uh, the Orioles are going right now. We're going to do one more outfielder for today, and that's going to be George Springer. I have a really hard time figuring out where to rank George. He's definitely injury-prone. He can have that label applied to him. Some people it's not justified but george springer the way he plays he's gonna get hurt more often than a lot of players he throws his body at the wall when he swings sometimes it looks like he's gonna like rip his back right out of his body uh the guy has a lot of passion for the game which is great but it also leads to some more injury prone kind of stuff uh he just had elbow surgery a couple weeks ago we saw the concussion in the playoffs, which is not something that you can put down to the injury-proneness. It was a fluky kind of thing, but it just generally fits into the whole narrative of George Springer not being able to be that healthy. Now he played 133 games. I, I can't believe he played 133 games. Even as a Blue Jay fan, that seems like a lot. I think it's because he was DHing quite a bit. I think it was 40. Somewhat. Let me see here. He DHed. Yeah, 40 times he was DHing, 89 times in the field. So it only seemed like he was playing really. Uh, half the time or a little bit more, but he still gave you great value. I mean, 25 homers, 14 steals, a 267 batting average, uh, 76 ribbies, 89 runs. Uh, he had a really good season. Now, I don't expect the steals to stay. I really don't. He had 14, but his let's just read off the last few seasons. Four, one, six, six, five, nine, 16. Now, that's 16. It came in 2015. We're talking a seven-year stretch with him not stealing bases in the double digits. Now, he comes back to it this season. I'm not sure we're going to see it continue. He's 33 years old now. He is the leadoff hitter for the Blue Jays, but maybe, I don't know, maybe that right there will make you think you need to steal some more bases or whatever nonsense. It hasn't really in his career, but maybe this season he figured he wasn't going to be on the field as much. He wanted to steal more bases. I don't. I can't really explain why he was stealing more. I don't think he needs to steal that much, considering he hits right in front of Bo and Vladdy and Teosca Hernandez. I don't think that that's really necessary, and I don't think they're going to push him beyond – I wouldn't project more than five or six steals from Springer right now for next season, given everything that we know. So I'm, I'm not going to be taking him too high up. Uh, let's take a look at the early ADP. I'm curious where people are drafting him right now. Uh, let's go to Toronto, and let's see, 82. Yeah, I think at 82, I'd probably be all right with it. Uh, 82.9, so I guess 83 is where he's going on average. In that range, I think I'm okay with it. He's I mean as long as he gives you like 120 kind of even less maybe 110 games he should be able to return that kind of value but I'm I'm not pushing him up too too much higher than that I think that that's probably about where I'm going to be cut off I, the injuries it's it all comes back to the injuries and watching him play a lot if you if you don't watch George Springer play a lot maybe you're not you say okay he gets injured here and there everybody gets injured here and there he flings his body all over the place. He is, he's rather reckless, and sometimes he'll make a routine swing, and it looks like he's, you know, he's going to have to retire the following at bat because it just looks that bad. So uh, he's definitely somebody who's going to be a top 100 pick. Uh, let's take a look at the minimum and maximum because I find those to be really interesting. Um, 62 was the minimum, 105 was the max. If he's going after pick 100, your hands are tied. You have to take him at that point because he can give you a top 50 season. But I'm not pushing him up into those top 50 draft picks kind of hoping for it if he happens to do it then great but I'm not going to be expecting it uh, heading into next year as of right now given everything we know about George now could things change a little bit for all these players sure we have a long way to go but I generally think for the most part these guys are going to stay somewhere in the same kind of ballpark for where I have them right now there could be there could be big changes there potentially could be big changes if we see you know Mike Trout, like we said earlier, if Trout and Otani get traded, then we have to reevaluate the whole landscape. If Judge goes somewhere else, Trey Turner, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be some changes to these rankings, to this list, uh, to our shows as the year goes on. But I think that generally this is where we're going to see guys uh, fall later on in drafts. That's going to do it for me for today, guys. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. going to be hitting the golf course here in the next hour or so, so I'm going to get ready for that. We take it in some baseball. Going to be talking with some people in the industry. If you are here, if you are listening to the show, and you're somebody who made the trip down to Arizona, come say hi. I think I'll have a name tag. I'm not really sure how this is going to work exactly, but hell, if I see you, if you see me, come by, uh, say hello. We'll get a beer or whatever. We're going to continue with these tomorrow. We're going to do another group of outfielders, and we'll just take these rather slowly. There are a lot of outfielders. I'm away right now. I'm not going to be doing long podcasts. I mean, who knows, right? Maybe, maybe we'll talk to somebody today or tomorrow. And end up doing a long podcast with them. Assuming it's going to be just me solo doing these outfield shows. It's not going to be the longest for these next few days. Um, But still, we'll be bringing you a podcast every single weekday for the end of time, hopefully. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're following over on Twitter. At Orico 99 At EthosFantasyBB. Now I'm going to be tweeting a lot for my own personal account these next few days. uh, Different things that are happening in the live drafts that we see Uh, Maybe some things that the panelists say, some interesting bits of information. And I'm going to be talking about the draft that I'm doing on Saturday, the draft and hold. We're going to do the first half of it or so, 20-ish rounds. And I'll be probably live tweeting my picks from there. So make sure you're following at JoeRico99, at EthosFantasyBB. And make sure you check out SportsEthos.com for all your fantasy needs, basketball, football, and baseball, of course. Guys, that will do it. Take care, cheers, and we will see you tomorrow.